This is the Scum and Sneak Fantasy Football Show about the LV Dynasty Fantasy Football League that we are all in. Sneak, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is, what, week three of the preseason coming up? That means we are so close to actually starting. I know it. I can sniff Labor Day weekend, which is coming up pretty soon, and then we all know after that, it's that first Thursday and that first Sunday. Hope everybody's out there getting excited, getting their spreads, their food, their donuts all planned and ready, because that that first week, I mean, don't get me wrong, every week is amazing, and we love the whole season, but that first week after being gone for so long, you got the Thursday, like, you just make an event out of it, right? You make that Thursday game, all day Sunday, into Sunday night, and then I think they've done away with the doubleheader Mondays, but and then you got Monday night. It's just that it's just I can see it now. It's like the sunrise is cresting over the mountain, and we're here to bring you all the way up to that first game. I used to love those Monday doubleheaders actually because they were always the second one was always a Chargers game because yeah. they, were, they had to play some kind of West Coast team. Right, but but you could, and then like that first one was like it would start at like four yeah. pregame at like three, so you're sitting at work like in the middle of your afternoon, basically watching football. It was perfect, and then it typically timed out to where like that halftime was around like the time you got off, so you could get home. Yep, maybe listen to a little why bit. They, of, this, yeah. Why did they get rid of that? I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got nothing. Yeah, did, no reason why did they stop doing it. Like, or did they? Was there ever a reason for it? Like, that was. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure. I'm sure they found that whatever else they're doing made them more money because that's that's how it always goes, right? Like, they put this game back on Sunday, or they move. I guess it's the Thursday game now, right? Because before they weren't doing the opener Thursday game, so maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and then me, I, I, I wonder if the additional week that they yeah, change that up a little bit. A yeah, years ago, now that we got what seventeen games in an eighteen week schedule, what is it? Yep, that's right. Yeah, so maybe that was it. But anyway, but yeah, first week coming up, we've had plenty. We've had two weeks, like you said, of preseason. Uh, not not a whole lot, really. To, Talk about in preseason. No, I was gonna say though, gonna we're gonna, I was gonna go off book a little bit. What from the first weeks of the preseason have you taken as like something to watch or just something you thought was interesting? Because I feel like more than ever, we're just seeing teams play mostly the backups. Yeah, I think like the Chiefs are really the only team that I've seen play like starters like pretty pretty heavily. Yeah. Like Mahomes has had like a bunch of series, and that's probably because. They lost Tyreek and they're just trying to like figure things out. Right. Has there been anything that you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting, or this player, you know, this team storyline, whatever? Like, is there a thing that you're that you have standing out to you in your mind? No, you know, I was talking with Matt about this, about how the preseason games have been that way. No one's playing. And if they do, it's like extremely quick. There's only three preseason games now. So that middle one, the one we just come out of this last weekend, was the one where you would have probably typically seen the starters play a little bit, but that really didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, I mean, the, like you alluded to, the Chiefs, 
Mahomes looks at and Josh Allen looks good. Like they played a little bit. They played enough to be like, okay, yeah, they're the guys. They're great. Uh, what was what was I talking? Oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I guess that's basically it. Just that we haven't really seen a lot. Even the rookies, like I was not this weekend, but last weekend, you know, for my sake, I saw Drake London catch a big pass, like a big twenty-five yard pass, and then he leaves with an injury. Yeah, I can't really, you know, I haven't even watched really any of the preseason. I've been just watching, uh, checking in on box scores. So maybe you can tell me, what have you seen in the preseason that you're shocked and or happy about or confused about? Yeah, so I'll take all three of those, Alex, for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback competition mm-hmm. because it's been – I would say it's been pretty even. Like all three of those guys look equally as good as the other. Uh, those three being Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've seen that they've basically all done about the same amount of production. Yeah, and you kind of have to like take it. Like Pickett has probably actually looked the best, but he's played against the third stringers predominantly. I think. Uh, so it's just hard to gauge, and I mean, I could see all three of those guys honestly starting uh, at least a game this year, right? So that's kind of weird, and what does that mean for the receivers? Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, you got George Pickens. Um, what does that mean for the offense as a whole? So, like, does that mean Najee is, again, like kind of a letdown because the offense is – so kind of inconsistent and he's just not scoring a bunch you know that that's that's been the biggest point of interest for me just what are the Steelers going to do at quarterback and you know who's going to actually win that job yeah because I'm with you on that I agree speaking of winning court I mean I could really here we go there we go football baby Here's the thing about the winning quarterback job. And again, I was talking with Matt about the same thing, but this is a well known. Wait, who? Thing. Who? Just kidding. <laughs> the defunct, the defunct excommunicado league member is the Giants quarterback situation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Daniel Jones is, he's just not good. He's extremely underwhelming. And I, I don't know if it was this game or the first game where Tyrod Taylor had a pretty good preseason game. What happens there? Does does Tyrod take over? Do they just scrap this thing and get rid of Daniel Jones? And Tyrod has himself like kind of like a a fun, okay, decent, even if it's below average year. And and that does that off. I mean, I don't know if we're how many shares of, of the Giants offense people are after. Right. So they'll probably be your only one. You know, maybe late flyers on the Kadarius Tony types, but. Does that quarterback competition do anything to to the fantasy players in, in the Giants? Yeah, I feel like I did see a report recently where I don't know if it was Dable or someone else had said that Daniel Jones is not guaranteed to have the starter job. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, members of this league and listeners of the pod will know that I've historically been a big Tyrod guy. Yeah, you are. And you will be forever. You just forever. I yeah, do. I think, yeah. And it's um, two things I think about that. One, if if they name him the starter, I feel like it goes poorly because that's just how his luck has been lately, right? Like he had his his first kind of real run with the Browns, 
Um, I thought it was pretty good. And then they go draft Baker Mayfield, so he's done. He gets signed by the Chargers to be the bridge quarterback to Justin Herbert. And then they try to kill him by puncturing his lungs. So he basically died. Right. So I, if, if they like name him the starter, I feel like something will happen and then we'll see Daniel Jones again. But if it's a, he takes over for Daniel Jones after like week two, then I could see it be interesting uh, for him as a fantasy option, just because of the rushing, you know, again, rushing quarterbacks, I'm, I'm in on for fantasy, maybe not for real life success, but they're going to score points in fantasy. And then I think it does. Well, I, I guess I was going to say that it maybe takes away from the potential for Saquon one, you know, like a goal line opportunity for, or like a goal line kind of, what am I trying to say here? Like at the goal line, Tyrod's a little more likely probably to tuck it and run than Daniel Jones rather than like pitching it to Saquon or something. So maybe that's where it hurts him. But uh, I would say it's, it's not a bad thing for the pass catchers. If you do have, like you said, a late round Kadarius Tony or Wandale Robinson or God forbid Kenny Galladay. Yeah. So. Is anybody targeting Kenny Galladay anymore? No, but no. I like the, the angle you're taking here. You're taking the superstitious angle. Yes. With Tyrod. Is it he is named the starter? It's just all hell's gonna break loose and something bad's gonna happen. Yes. It's written in the lead tea leaves. But if he just happens to become the starter through bad play or an injury or whatever throughout the season, whether that's week two, week four, week 10, then whenever that happens, he's going to be successful. Correct. All right. Well, it's out there in the world. <laughs> will come to pass one way or the other. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a weird preseason. We're not seeing as much as we're used to. So I guess, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to find out how things have really shaken out when week one comes around, which is kind of fun. You know, it, we're where there's other questions too that we haven't touched on that are still lingering that again, we'll just that first week, those first matchups, we'll really see what these teams want to do, how they want to utilize certain players. And that's the fun of fantasy football and real football just watching that all yeah. unfold. and i you know you know we're talking now overarching you know the umbrella of the nfl and, and football these days but you know cut down on injuries don't want people yeah. to get hurt before games matter mm -hmm. whether that means all of the all the players that were destined to get hurt in the preseason get hurt in the beginning i don't know god forbid we don't talk that way but that's at least good for fantasy players, redraft, dynasty-wise, whatever it is, especially going into drafts here where big names, star players aren't already hurt and out. And I think if I'm, I'm – I might be wrong. Last year – was last year the year where there were some big names hurt early yeah, on? Yeah, I feel like it was, yeah. I mean, I'm not – I can't say names. Uh, well, we lost – like, the Ravens guys, the Ravens studying. running backs all, all got hurt. Yeah, that was a big I was one. sticking in my head about that. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I haven't haven't watched a lot of it, just checking box scores. Interesting to see players like the Chiefs and Mahomes out there, but we're not seeing, uh, I don't know, pick a player that has. Yeah, I would say like, have like <laughs> most of like the starting quarterbacks in the league have probably like maybe maybe taken like two series at most. <laughs> 
where I've seen some have not even like touched the field. I know. So, you know, maybe we also see potential like rust kind of around league wide for those that didn't play week one, you know, uh, game speeds different than practice. Right. Maybe we kind of see some like depressed scoring, which would translate to less fantasy points, maybe making some matchups that were like, you know, lopsided on paper one way, maybe that changes some things. So, Again, we will see. We'll break that down once we get into it. But yeah, let's get into the show, Sneak. This was, I mean, again, like I said, we went off the rails, but super fun when we can talk real football. Yeah, sometimes we got to talk real football. We got to talk what's been going on, a little bit of news slash, you know, training camp hype, all that stuff. You know, it's good to refresh yourself what's been going on. Uh, let's get into the meat and taters of this episode. Which is everyone's favorite, the third annual eight list of eight. I'm so excited. Yeah, you never know what Scum and Sneak are going to do with their eight lists of eight. It could be just strict to the point. We're talking football. It could be something off the wall, zany, brainy that you never even remotely thought about. But that's why we do this is to keep you on your toes, give you a little entertainment and fun. Uh, and hopefully you enjoy it. I love making these lists with you, Scum. It's always, you know, we were talking before the show about some of the ideas that roll around in our head. <laughs> it's like, how can we even turn this into a competent episode? <laughs> Which some would argue that the majority of our episodes aren't competent. We would argue that everything we say is 100% factual, data-proven, research-backed, and always correct. And that has been unequivocally proven, I think, over the course of two and a quarter seasons. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on, guys. We're, we're approaching 100 episodes, an unprecedented feat by any podcast. Honestly, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I know people who have dabbled in podcasts and quit very soon. So uh, kudos to you, Sneak. Kudos to you as well, my friend, and to all of our Six listeners. <laughs> Used to be our, eight. Our listening base has drastically dropped. We'll get there. We ever started with like 12. We'll bounce back. One day I'll remember to bring my stickers out in the world, out in public, and put them places. But back to the show. Before we, get, the show. Before we get to the eight lists of eight, we've got to do a nonsense minute. Shink, uh, a thematic one for you this week. Simple one. Okay. What was your favorite thing to do when you were eight years old? All right. Well, let me see. What grade are you in when you're eight? About third grade. Third grade. Okay. I think my favorite thing to do when I was eight was it would have had to, you know, this is this is gonna not even be like a fun answer, but it was just all things sports, constantly playing basketball, constantly playing catch baseball in the backyard. I would do this thing with my dad where I would, he would be like the quarterback. I'd be the receiver. He'd go and throw me like dive balls and I'd just dive in the grass <laughs> and footballs everywhere. Uh, had a basketball court in my back backyard and it was just like shooting constantly. It was just everything. And I remember even not only playing all types of sports and just being active there, but I literally remember even back then being third grade eight years old, watching NFL on TV every Sunday and just being engrossed by seven hours of commercial-free football. 
Love that answer. It wasn't, wasn't red zone back then, but you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm making fun. <laughs> yeah, it was just commercial free because you just ran away during commercials and did something. Yeah, <laughs> inundated with just. I would sit there with my football in my you know little fun football in hand and just just constantly had it was just all about sports left. I love that answer. So it's going to be funny because I was kind of the exact opposite. I did play sports. I had a basketball hoop in my yard. I had like played at recess, of course, but big time nerd answer here. My favorite thing to do when I was eight was just read books, just reading books in the library all summer, go out maybe like once a week and shoot hoops or yeah. go, uh, run around with the other kids in the, in the neighborhood. But yeah, big time nerd, big time Saturday morning cartoon, Pokemon kid. So uh, kind of kind of opposites growing up when, when we were both eight. But that yeah. was that was me. A little yeah, shut. I was I was into reading, probably not at, at your level. I do remember reading Lord of the Rings when I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that, but yeah, I can see. If if I remember correctly, when I was eight, that's when Harry Potter came out. So. Okay kind of kind of caught me there right at that time but everything's different now and i still read but i also do other things that are not as nerdy right right everyone right friends right right. exactly right right so let's go back to our very professional podcast that we do Mm -hmm. (laughs) with uh let me let me tell you about maybe a little known band that you have heard of maybe not They're known as Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and they have a song called Tank Okay. on their 2012 self-titled album, and it is a song with no words, just instrumental, and it has a runtime of 6 minutes, 52 seconds. So if you need some easy listening, go listen to Tank. I love that. Never heard of that band, but, uh, you know, if you've got a six and a half minute song, that's uh, just only music, and you and it, you have and it's based around tanks of <laughs> all shapes, sizes, and types in the world. Definitely go give her a listen. All right, Scum. Well, I've got a little bit of an interesting take on tanks today. Now, did you know that the phrase "thank you"? was originally derived from tank you. <laughs> and it shows it's basically it basically means that you show gratitude towards somebody or an entity for not blowing you up with a tank. <laughs> it was back in all when all the wars were going on, World War One and all the uh, you know times of, of turmoil. That's uh, where thank you come from. Wow. And it came from tank you. And if you didn't get freaking tanked that day, then you people would usually say that. And then over time, it became thank you as a form, another way of saying, you know, your gratitude and, and you're, you're happy and you feel good about not getting uh, tanked on. Man, you learn something new every day. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. I think that, man, I. It's always good to learn the origins of things, you know. Yeah, sometimes it's it's good to get into history of the world and language, and I didn't know that either, but uh, I found that out. 
Well, I think everyone else that's listening is very thankful for that as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll just make sure that we keep learning things at least until Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, exactly. All right. We got eight lists of eight for you guys today. I know you're chomping at the bit, but first we've got to listen to an ad from one of our loyal listeners. Hey guys, it's your favorite Scum and Schneek Show fan here coming to you live while I'm at work. I just want to say that this is the perfect podcast to listen to while you're actually on the clock working. It's full of awesome humor and amazing tips for your fantasy football league, and it's so easy to use. All you have to do is clock into work, pop some headphones in, sit back, and do absolutely no work, but listen to all the pointers from these professionals. Listen to this podcast. You will not regret it. And we're back. Thank you again to you, listener, and to all those out there that have liked, subscribed, reviewed the Scum and Sneak Show on whatever your podcast platform is. We love you. We appreciate you. Tell at least eight friends about it today. Yeah, there you go. All right, Sneak, we've got eight lists of eight for each. And let's I'll give a little I'll give a little tease to everyone. Because of timing, because of schedules, we were not able to do our series of positional ranks this year. It's the scummer of rankings. So we folded those in here. So today, everyone, you're gonna get the Scum and Sneak top eight rankings for the four big position groups. You're going to need them for your redraft leagues. You're going to need them to maybe consider a, a dynasty or a keeper run this year. So stay tuned for that. And then the others are, I guess you're going to have to stay and listen to find out. Yep. Listen up, find out, figure it out. We, uh, we come hitting you with some hard, heavy truths about each top eight players in the big the big uh, positions, and I, this is one of those episodes where a lot of people will disagree with us uh, based off of who they already have on their team, whether it's a dynasty or if you're getting ready to go into or just have or planning for your uh, redraft. We hit you with our opinions, and you have to uh, listen to us. And, and have to, obviously. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off with your first ranking set, which was quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you could, go bottom to top. Bottom to top. From number eight to number one ranked quarterbacks going into this year are number eight, Lamar Jackson. Number seven, Joe Burrow. Number six, Matthew Stafford. Number five, Dak. Dak Prescott, my friend. Number four, Russ Wilson. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Josh Allen. And number one, Justin Herbert. Ooh, love that. Yeah. I, uh, with Herbert as number one here, I, I truly, I think this is that the year where he just explodes, no injuries to any of his offensive players. Uh, I I know you have been on this hype forever. I I like the Josh Palmer number three receiver of that that team right now. Eckler out of the backfield, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, bona fide stars. Uh, sky's the limit, and I, I think this is the year that we just see Herbert 
I mean, we've been seeing it. He's been progressing crazy his first two years. And this is the year where he's just the number one statistical quarterback all around. Top fantasy. I know he's going high in, in redrafts. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm sitting with him at number one. And overall, I mean, I think your list is solid. I definitely, and I think we all as listeners know the arguments for each, at least in this group, like, yeah, maybe we would move someone up or down. And then, you know, I think I could make a case for a couple names dropping down to like that nine through 12 range and bumping some up, up some other guys. But that group that you mentioned is going to be solid for fantasy. They're going to be starters on your team unless they get hurt. So do you want to just throw out a couple names that, you know, were close again, maybe like the nine ten person or someone that you were like, man, I wish, wish I could fit them in here, but I just can't bump anyone off. Yeah. Let me see here. Where was my backups? I mean, I think like the names that come to mind are Tom Brady. Cause he finished top three last year. Um, I know you're not a fan, but for fantasy, Taylor Hurts is in the mix in my opinion. Yeah, and I I think God, I don't even know. I just I hate to say it because we've just been bashing him and I have been bashing him forever. I if it if Jalen Hurts puts it together and, and has himself ah gosh, I I guess out of all the players, I did kind of struggle with that just from what I've uh, I, I don't even know how to talk about him because I don't like him. I don't think he's good, but he's probably going to be pretty stinking good. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just that, like I mentioned earlier, real life, like, can this quarterback, like, take my team to a Super Bowl versus is this quarterback going to score a lot in fantasy are very yeah. different things. Yeah. So. And, yeah, that's a good that's a good distinction you're making there. I'm curious to see what Derek Carr can do now with Devontae Adams. I just saw a stat actually before we jumped on here out of his first eight seasons. He's like still, he's like third all time in passing yards. Yeah. He's too, like, and I saw another one related that was like, he's one of three quarterbacks that has thrown for over 4,000 yards the past three seasons, something like that. Yeah. He doesn't get the credit. Uh, but with Devontae Adams, he had a good year last year with Renfro Waller, people like Zay Jones and, whoever else he had, like now with a number one legit stud receiver, does he take in, does he take leaps? Does he stay exactly the same? Even if he stays exactly the same, you're probably looking at that 12 to 17 spot, something like that. Um, For sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, and then you've got your players like Aaron Rodgers didn't make my list. Yeah. Uh, Brady, like I said, didn't make my list. Kyler Murray didn't make my list. You know, I, I could go out there and put on a proclamation that Brady is like completely duds out and he's finally dead, but that's just doesn't seem to happen. So I'm not going to say that. Rodgers, out from last year, you have to expect Rodgers is the biggest dropper going into this season with rookies and unproven mm-hmm. guys and relying on running backs, which is that you've got two good ones, but is he going to be the one that? starts to to decline and stay out of like those top like you said nine through 12 15 areas do you have a riser like a Kirk Cousins who's got himself a new OC new offensive scheme in there does he make a rise up there and finally put together a top eight season 
think for me with the quarterback, I just I didn't really want to make any anything too crazy out yeah. there. You, you could, like you said, you can mismatch the my eight that I put up there. You know, I haven't been historically I haven't been a Lamar guy, but I think this year, you know, if they're saying Bateman's our number one, we've got Andrews. Uh, we're, I don't know if you know maybe Lamar turns himself into more of that consistent guy. Joe Burrow, we saw what he does. He's got three of the, you know, he's probably got one of the best triple receiving threat cores in the league right now. I think one I'm most worried about, now, okay, I don't say most, but I'm going to say the two players in my top eight I'm most worried about, me specifically not finishing in the eight, would be what do we, what do we see out of Dak? You know, he's got CD. That's basically it. I know I talked in the past about him and Dalton Schultz. Does Dak have a bad year? Does he? I don't know. And then the only other one, I guess, even though Mahomes, no Tyreek, is it all Kelsey? Does his other receiver step up? I would say those two out of my top eight, the ones I have the most fear of not doing that well, you know, just frankly. But yeah. it's still say- kind of hard to say that they're not going to do good so it's just quarterbacks are quarterbacks right like it's not like tight end i mean like we'll talk about tight end but we've said this before if you're like a a five a six and 106 receiving touchdown guy you're probably in the top eight quarterback wise like there's guys it's so close from one to eight to 12 to 15 really so yeah, quarterback's very deep, so yeah, hard to really parse out, but like there is definitely a group that you feel more confident in, at least even in like a quote unquote down year, they're still gonna be better than like a Tua or Jacoby Brissett Brissett or you know, Daniel Jones, Tyra Taylor, who we talked about, like whichever one. There's that clear bottom of guys and then like one through 20 is like you probably okay with whoever those yeah. are yeah 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 i'd agree with that all right good list snake on the quarterbacks quarterbacks they're ranked up that's top eight take it or leave it love it and list it <laughs> <laughs> all right throwing it to me now for a list now snake as you know we just threw over the weekend one of the the parties of the decade. Oh gosh, so good. It was Gilmore Girls themed. Great turnout, great participation, great decor and menu, if I if I do say so myself. Oh yeah. It looked amazing. I can't believe I missed it. So jealous. What it looks like the party of the the year for sure. Well, we'll do another one, but coming off that, I wanted to make one of my lists, the top eight characters in Gilmore Girls. Oh, my gosh. This one's going to be very, very good. And if we weren't already on the same brain wavelength, we would probably be, I would be highly contested of this list, but I, I, I trust it in your hands. Oh, this list is going to get lots of hate, but I think it might be softened now that, you know, some of the listeners that we've had uh, were forced to sit through Gilmore Girls references for uh, five hours. So. Yeah, typically they would be rolling their eyes and, and hateful, but now that they've actually got to live a little bit in that world, maybe they'll be a little bit more receptive. So let me get, hit you with my top eight. Okay. I cheated here too because number eight, 
I tied a couple, but Paris and Doyle, number eight. Mm-hmm. Seven is Lane. Six is Suki. Five is TJ. Wow. Four is Kirk. Three is Luke. Two, Lorelai, obviously. Number one is Jess. And now I'm just realizing that I need to completely trash my list because uh, Emily should be four and bump everyone else down. So that sounded real confusing, I'm sure. and sounded like a lot of gibberish to most people. But that's the list. So TJ, just hit me with, hit me with TJ. We're in escarrow. Escarrow. <laughs> He's so funny. That's that's my only reasoning. Just a lovable goofball. Just uh, doesn't ever know what's going on, but always just out there having a good time. Now, did I hear you right that Rory didn't make the list? Rory did not make the list. No, of course not. Of course not. I mean. You could make the case for early on, Rory. Yeah, if you're saying like season one through three, yeah, she's on. Later, Rory? Oh, God. Come on. Questionable. Like just uh, just overall, just not even, you don't like her. You just don't Mm -hmm. like her as the show goes on. You just, you hate the decisions that she makes, the attitude, the way that she goes about it all. You dropped out of jail? Emily didn't make the list. Classic. Uh, No Michelle. No, Michelle. But Suki at Suki at six is is I think Suki was at six, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a perfect ranking. Uh, God, what a fun list. Where Where are you on Kirk? What's your thoughts on Kirk? Well, he's number. What did he make you on three? Uh, five. If I bump him down for put Emily. Emily. There. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I would say that's pretty. That's pretty good ranking for him. You know, he's consistent throughout the whole show. Got a million jobs. End. Uh, he's got really funny moments. He becomes more so part of the crew later on when he gets his woman and he's sticking around. Um, but just number one, huh? Oh, got to. Ugh. I uh, employ, or not employ, I, what do I want to say? I, I take like, 20% of my personality from Jess. <laughs> I know because you guys have been reading books since you're eight years old. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's a really good list. Uh, now that uh, the majority of our listeners understand it more, maybe they'll be able to. Um, they probably still don't know who half these people are, though. Nope. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone showed up to the party dressed as Kurt with his shirt off? <laughs> Not the weirdest. He's got the weirdest body. Of Go ahead, anything call him out. I've who's, ever seen. who's who's the weird bird chest, punch oh, gut person? That, uh, that is a fun list. I did not see that coming, but <laughs> I was after the weekend that you guys all had, I can't believe I missed it. We'll do it again for sure. Yeah. All right, you hit me with your next list. That is not a ranking. All right, not football-related, not positional rank. My next list is the top eight heaviest animals in the world. <laughs> now, I, pers- I feel like we might have we, – we talk animals every now and then on the show, but I don't think we've done anything like this. So my top no. eight heaviest animals in the world, starting with number well, – Before you start, let me ask a question. This is not – like, this is not heaviest – Strictly heaviest by weight. This is 
your favorite heavy animals? No. This no, is this actually is... by weight. I'm giving you a little factorial. On okay. And I was a little, and even though it may not be the funnest list, but I'm hitting you, I'm Scum and Sneak Show, we're actually doing some real research and some <laughs> actual statistics here. So the, the top, the number eight heaviest animal is your elephant seal. Elephant seal. Number okay. seven is the humpback whale. Number uh, six is the rhino. Five is the sperm whale. Four is your African elephant. Three is your hippo. Two is going to be shocking. It's your giraffe. No. Yeah. I was, I couldn't believe that. And number one heaviest animal in the world is the blue whale. But your idea was way better. I just <laughs> created my own list of eight heaviest animals just based off of what I enjoy. Like, no, honestly, I find this list very compelling because one, I would have thought all the whales would have taken the top, like what, two or three spots. Yeah. So humpback down at the bottom is kind of surprising. Yeah. Why are yeah. giraffes so heavy? Well, yeah, another... It's got to be, they're so weirdly proportion that you don't think so but they because i mean they're literally like 20 feet tall or some something like that so but three whales make the list obviously you know we don't even want to divulge into how insane the ocean is that they just hold literally everything another thing is that majority of these animals are like either found in water or africa <laughs> Yeah, so what's the deal with that? Why are all the big things there? Yeah, we got hippos and rhinos. Uh, but yeah, anyway, those are your top eight heaviest animals. Three whales make the list. Giraffe at number two, shocking. And we talked about it in the last episode, episode before, about how crazy hippos are mm -hmm. and how they just want to constantly kill you and everything around them. Just the most aggressive, mean-spirited animals. And there's if you have you ever if you haven't ever watched a video of a hippo like destroying just like running through water trying to get like a boat of tourists it's insane. Or if you've never watched a video of a hippo like chowing down on watermelons that's also like really fun to watch. Anyway, those are the top eight heaviest animals in the world. I'm still just shook by that. <laughs> But it, so if you had done your favorite heavy animals, what's what's number one? We'll just do number one. Number one is moose. Oh, obviously. Well known fact that. <laughs> Why'd I even ask? Guy, old Sneak loves himself some moose. I mean, they can pretty much be up to like 1, 1,200 pounds anyway. So they're pretty stinking heavy. So they probably are some of the heaviest North American animals. But anyway, that's. Uh, that's my my non-football related list of the eight top heaviest animals. Just great. Just, just great. <laughs> I don't even have a segue for it. That's how good it was. So sometimes you just gotta hear it, sink, let it sink in, marvel on it, and then move on. Here comes some football for the people. Yeah. Uh, I ranked the top eight wide receivers going into this year. Okay, this is going to be a good list. Now, let me this tell you, this was a kind of, difficult one. This you. was a hard one, honestly, because I, I I can make a case for a bunch of guys in like the top twenty-four easily. 
but once you get up to like this group of the top eight, I can I can just like say or I have things against most of those receivers, which is the problem. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a question at quarterback still or a question about how they're going to be utilized or uh, are they going to regress or whatever the case may be. So I did have some trouble with this one, but we soldier on and this list is still absolutely correct after this gun process. Okay. So you'll see here, starting with number eight is a guy that I tried to get out of this group, but I just could not do it for some reason. So number eight, Tyreek Hill. Number seven, Keenan Allen. Number six, Mike Evans. Number five, Devontae Adams. Number four, Cooper Cup. Number three, Stephon Diggs. Number two, Jamar Chase. And number one, the only easy one, I thought, Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great list. Every one of those names, just solid, amazing players, whether they've proven it already in the, you know, long history. Like you got Mike Evans, who's going into what his sixth or like he's 29. He's probably going into like his eighth year, just a thousand yards every year. Mm-hmm. Then you got people like Justin Jefferson only going into like his third or fourth year, whatever it may be. And he's clearly. I agree with everything you're saying on all these players. It's just receivers, they've always been deep. But this year, I think with your list at eight, it's like either any of those top eight guys are number one locked and loaded receivers that you're going to want on your team. And if you already have them, someone like Ernie who got the top two, (laughs) I don't know how that happened, Hesse. We all know Chubb. Just uh, yeah, really, really good list. I was smiling the whole way through. You said that it's just they're just solid, solid guys. Yeah, so I'd say some of the glaring names that I had left off in people's minds are probably Ceedee Lamb. But you know, you're very much on record for the potential fallout for him, and that's been Mm -hmm. in my head. So I Mm -hmm. did put him here, Uh, Debo Samuel, and I just. Don't expect eight rushing touchdowns again. No, so, eight hit eight rushing yeah, touchdowns he had eight. last year. So I think he's uh, still going to be like his receiving numbers were still really good, but I just don't think would get him into this status this year, especially with Trey Lance, who I love, but I don't think the passing volume is going to be there overall for the team. No, I agreed. I wouldn't um, Samuel up there either. Yeah, what other names like? Um, I feel like you start getting into like. Uh, the DJ Moore, uh, uh, like Terry McLaurin is uh, like names people throw out there, but yeah. quarterback questions still for those guys. The one that I was really tempted to put in uh, that would have been like kind of bold, but we've been talking about it was Cortland Sutton and I could easily see him finish, you know, in this range, but these other guys are just kind of your stalwarts and I'd have more faith in them doing it than I did with Cortland. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You just you have great faith in all those guys to be there at the end of the day. Tyree Kill at eight after the last two or three years of being one, two, three, uh, is your biggest dropper from seasons past. But mm-hmm. new team to a dolphin. We don't know what that's gonna look like. I still believe he's gonna be really, really good and well deserved at that number eight spot. Um, yeah, I don't know who I, I agree with your Cortland Sutton take. Uh, if he's going to just go off with Russell Wilson, it's an unknown at this point. Uh, 
don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to make the case for AJ Brown. Uh, Pittman's another name people say, but yeah, I'm just not sold on. Not even him as a player, but just like the Colts, like with Jonathan Taylor, I think they still just lean on the rush more. Um, so then it's just hard for him to get into that top eight, top 12. Yeah, I could buy, you know, it's just, this is supposed to be like the, the next group, you know, like it trims down those guys that are, again, just have a little more questions, even though there's questions about Tyreek, there's questions about Devonte in a new setting, even though like probably not. Again, just my group was less questions than a lot of the other guys. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. You can, we, there's probably a, the, the list from nine to like 25 are all so close. Yeah. But then there's that yeah. clear delineation at that through that eight with receivers right now. And whether we're talking redraft or we're talking dynasty, if you have one of those guys or multiple of those guys on your dynasty, you're sitting great. And if you're going into a redraft uh, this weekend or coming up, you know, focus on finding at least one of those top upper echelon guys because then you can fill out the rest of your ranks with those like i said those nine through 25ers and be in a really good spot yeah all right shank let's stick with football and do you want to give your tight end ranks i do i do want to give my tight end ranks a position that i haven't been a fan of for a very long time finally started to dabble into getting myself some serviceable if not above average tight ends and I've enjoyed it. So my top eight tight end, starting with number eight, starting is going to be Albert O. Oh, okay. Number seven, Dawson Knox. Number six, George Kittle. Number five, Hunter Henry. <laughs> <laughs> what was that little <laughs> giggle? Of course he's five on your list. <laughs> Of course he is. Both of my tight ends made the top eight. <laughs> All right. Number four, Kyle Pitts. Number three, Dalton Schultz. Oh, number two, Mark Andrews. And number one, we're not going to make the mistake, is Travis Kelsey. Yeah. All right. Let me just give you <laughs> let me just give you here, okay? Albert O at number eight because Russell Wilson, they lost Tim Patrick. I'm not a Hamler guy. I'm not a whoever else receiver guy they have. Alberto's got the body and of a receiver. I think he's going to benefit greatly. And like I said earlier, even if he's a 606 guy, he's going to be fine and really good. Dawson Knox proved last year that he had a nice rapport with Josh Allen. Maybe we lose some of that production because, you know, the emergence of Gabe Davis, uh, bringing in James Cook. I don't know. I threw him in there because I think he had like eight touchdowns last year or something. I don't know. Kittle, whatever. We're not going to talk about him. <laughs> Henry, Mike, he had ten. Hunter Henry had like ten touchdowns last year. He did, I was laughing at the Kittle thing because you would just have a vendetta against George I Kittle. Did too. I tried. I tried it out last year. Got him in the third. He was absolutely horrible and stupid and dumb and didn't uh, do me any good. Uh, Pitts at four, everyone should be all the Pitts believers out there should be like, all right, he's he's coming around. Hey, you you were giving me that crap left and right all day and yesterday last year when I was just all over him. But 
you know, add a couple more touchdowns to his statistical year last year. And he, he has, he has one of those top, top rookie receiving tight end years. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to really say about Kelsey and Andrew. They're going to be there. I've said in the past that this is, this is a one-off one year thing for Dalton Schultz. If he stays healthy, Dak is going to lean on him. And as long as the volume is there, Dalton Schultz will be very, very good this year. Uh, and then that's, uh, that's my, uh, yeah, no, I, and I haven't even been a detractor on your Dalton Schultz support because one, he finished tight end three last year, so he can obviously do it. And I do think the volume will be there. So, I mean, I got the top four I, I am down with, uh, as you know, I would put Pitts up there a little higher, but that's the group for sure. Um, I think people and myself kind of, uh, no, I wouldn't because I said he was going to be a dope. Darren Waller, uh, not on your list, is probably, you know, glaring to some people. But again, there's there's a lot of mouths to feed uh, now in Las Vegas. So if he's not in the top eight, uh, you know, I'm not going to be surprised. I think, yeah, like Dawson Knox, Alberto, whatever, whatever. Like once we're in that seven, eight through twenty range, uh, kind of throw a dart at your tight ends. Uh, you know, right. most years. So if you if you were to make this list, we don't need to go through the whole list, but let's say let's say Dawson Knox and Hunter Henry aren't on this. Let's say Dawson Knox, Hunter Henry, and Albert O aren't on this list. Who would they? Who would you have on your list out of those taking those three away? I probably one. I probably would have put Waller in there just because of the history. And if Adams or Renfro gets hurt, like he's there, uh, you know, they don't love it. But um, let's put him in there. Um, let's put in. Everyone's gonna laugh at me, but let's put in one of my two tight ends, Gerald Everett or Evan Ingram. Oh, you bet uh Justin Herbert, the number one quarterback this year. Obviously, Gerald Everett could have like nine touchdowns, which is gonna be <laughs> enough to get him into the top eight. Or Evan Ingram, even though he can't catch a cold, still is gonna be super involved in the Jags game plan and you know, caught a touchdown this preseason. They're gonna use him. Could be fine. Okay. And then everyone buckle up. Buckle up because you want to know why Hunter Henry can't be can't be in the top eight? Why? Because John who's back and taking over, baby. Oh my gosh. The resurgence of John. John who Smith. Smith is involved. He's getting work in the backfield yet again. The freaking John who backfield special is in oh. play. And <laughs> We're here. What? How many rushing touchdowns does he get this year? Two, which leads all tight ends in rushing touchdowns. Oh my year. gosh, that would be insane. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to really cap Hunter Henry's use there. Sorry. All right. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take those lumps. But yeah, I mean, the point is, if you don't have one of the top four, you know, try to get try to chase volume with the tight ends. I'm surprised now that I think about it, you didn't put your boy Cole Komet in the top eight. Thought about it, thought about it because yeah. the volume is going to be uh, immense there. Uh, maybe he sneaks in at that number eight nine spot with, uh, you know, where that Alberto spot is, but sure. like uh, Russell Wilson way more than yeah that. you like that situation more yeah no again it's situation that's you know 
that's the Gerald Everett argument for uh, at least a serviceable year, right? Like getting good offenses with potential to have have your tight end be like at least the third option, right? That's kind of like that's the Dawson Knox argument. You're in the best one of the best, if not the best offense in football with one of the best quarterbacks. And he's at worst the fourth option. I don't know. And definitely like in play in the red zone. So yeah. that's what you want in a tight end. Sure. All right, Shank, you ready for a non-football list? I uh, can't wait. I've got the top eight movies from the year 2008. Yes, I knew you were going to do a movie list. Yep. Didn't know what iteration you were going to do. So this one's going to be very good. I'm I, I think I do one every year, but this is the top eight in 08. A good year for movies. I think when I was going through, I was like, okay, yeah, well, I got a lot of these I like and are good. I think you will even know a lot of these movies on this list. So that just kind of shows the quality of the year. But let's start at number eight. The unofficial, official Karate Kid reboot, the MMA version of that, Never Back Down, number eight. Number seven, The Strangers, a little horror entry into the list. Number six, Slumdog Millionaire. I'm sorry, Scumdog Millionaire. There you go. Number five, a little low, forgive me, but Twilight. Oh, crap. Hello. 2008 classic. Oh, great movie. Number four, Pineapple Express. Mm -hmm. Number three, In Bruges. That's my, that's my, I'm going to get heat for that one. Number two, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And number one, The Dark Knight. Chalky, but it's a great movie. Dang. So never seen In Bruges. Never seen The Strangers. Here's some of the names I left off that people are going to be like, uh, what's wrong with you? Probably oh. uh, Step Brothers. I know a big, a big point of contention in some of the movie talks we've had, but I'm just not, I, it's funny, not that much of a fan. Uh, another one in that ilk is Role Models. We've also got Semi-Pro that year. We've also mm-hmm. got, no, I'm with you. Leave yeah. That's a good call. You've got Iron Man 1 that year. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan, but some people would be like, oh, that's, that's a great movie. Yeah. Was uh, that the first Marvel movie? I think it was the second, technically. I think the Hulk came out before it. Oh, okay. Maybe not. I don't remember. And then Wally. I don't know if you're a Wally guy, but that came out that year. Uh, Jumper and Cloverfield, sci fi kind of fun movie. So Jumper was kind of an interesting uh, original movie. That's why hey, hey, it was on my cut hey. list. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. But your list is is excellent, spot on. Twilight should be at least, you know, top three. What was your number eight movie? Never Back Down. <laughs> yeah, Cam DeGonde, another actor from Twilight. Good. Oh, another, sorry. I Another one on my list, the hardest cut, probably. High School Musical 3. Oh, gosh. There you go. But in your defense... High school musical one and two way better than three. yes, true. Just three, they're you know they're all old in high school. And it's just like a little much at that point. A little much. Um, yeah, great list. What a year for movies. You're right. Pretty stinking good year for movies. Pretty strong. What's Unbruge about? It is a movie with Colin Farrell and 
Brendan Gleeson, who you'll know as Mad Eye Moody. Okay. Their hitmen, Colin Farrell's kind of like bumbling. He makes a mistake, and then they kind of have to figure out how to fix it. Okay. And it's it's very dark, but it's also very funny. And you should watch it. Maybe I will watch it. It sounds good. Is it is it French? No, it's in English. Oh. They're just in Bruges. Oh, is Bruges a place? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, in Bruges. In Bruges. In like yeah. Bruges, like E N and then Bruges. What is? I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know. Watch it. You'll get a little bit. Like part of the movie is them talking about Bruges. So you're gonna learn a lot. There's a little culture in me. Yeah, just a little bit, just a smidge. Just a just a scope. Yeah. All right, I'll put it on the list. Highly recommend. Speaking of putting it on the list, I gotta I gotta watch Twilight again. It's time. Well, we've got to do a Twilight episode here coming up, don't we? Oh my gosh, too freaking fun! Halloween Twilight rewatch episode. Oh. Speaking of Gilmore Girls. I'm only about two months away from my Gilmore Girls re- rewatch, which is going to be so much fun. It is the perfect show for fall and winter. Like, yeah, it just leads right for into it. the holidays and the Christmas. It's, it's excellent. The leaves are falling, the snow is flying. You can smell it. Learn how to make yourself a Santa burger. Mm-hmm. But we digress. Sneak, mm-hmm. you've got one more list to give us. Okay. I. Hold on. Pull it up again here. Make sure I've got it here. All right. So my last list of eight is I am ranking the eight wonders of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. So starting with number eight is the Taj Mahal. Okay. Seven is Chichen Itza. Six is Machu Picchu. Five is Petra. Four is the Great Wall of China. Oh, feel like that's low. <laughs> Three is the Colosseum. Two is Christ the Redeemer. And number one are the Pyramids of Giza. Oh, that's a chalk pick. Boo. All right, give me give me a breakdown on how you rank these. All right, so number one, the reason why the pyramids is because everyone always talks about how like they couldn't have ever been made back in the day, and there's always this this debate on how they actually did it. And then I started, then people start acting like it was like aliens or something. Mm-hmm. Was like, all right, yeah, like if aliens were around and they built these pyramids, and then they just like never came around again. All right, that sounds fun. To Christ the Redeemer is because it's in uh, New Moon. <laughs> <laughs> when Edward goes to Brazil. They, they do go to Brazil. <laughs> uh, number three, the Colosseum, is because that's where gladiators used to fight all the time. So that was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, number four, the Great Wall of China. Like, Although it's a great feat, it's still China and they're bad. Okay, but you can see it from space. Absolutely. Can you? Yeah, you can see the Great Wall of China from space. Oh my gosh, that's like, all right, that's pretty fun. I can't even know you can see it from space. That's what they say. I, mean, I don't know. 
Uh, number five is Tetris. I don't know what it is. Yep, check. That checks out. <laughs> that goes that, that tracks pretty good, old Schneep. And then we've got uh, Machu Picchu, just because everyone always wants to go there. So I feel like you would have liked that one because it's a hiker hiker activity. Yeah, but it's like what everyone uh, wants to go and do. It's like one of those popular like internet things. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chichen Itza, I, I don't know what that yep, one is. Didn't either. know that one. Nope. And then the Taj Mahal, uh, probably should have been ranked higher, but uh, just I just happened to write it down first. I mean, of all of them, that one's the one that's like just a building. Yeah, it's just a building where the uh, where what's his face lives. Yeah, Taj. Taj. <laughs> is that where Taj lives? That's where Taj lives. <laughs> No, what's the what's the India guy? No idea. No, the India like famous guru guy. Yeah, it's not where the Dalai Lama lives. <laughs> it's not where the Dalai Lama no, lives. It's not. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> anyway, there you go. There you have it. Great list. <laughs> Uh, honestly, no notes besides maybe Great Wall should have been a little higher. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> oh my word! All right, well, let me close us out with the big boys, the top eight running backs this year. We are still running back truthers as much as we try to dabble in. As much as we try to get away from it, yeah. Maybe one of the maybe one of these seasons and years we will just be off it. Try to dabble in zero RB or even hero RB, and it just doesn't it just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Still feels dumb and bad. So, got your top eight, and I I think my list is pretty good. But there's probably some arguments to be made against uh, some people that are missing. But number eight, Aaron Jones. Number seven, Saquon Barkley. Number six, Joe Mixon. Number five, my guy Austin Eckler. And then the big four that I just couldn't get away from. Four, Derrick Henry. Three, Dalvin Cook. Two, Jonathan Taylor. And one, still at the top for me, Christian McCaffrey. Well, we know one listener will absolutely roast you for CMC at the top. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's that's there's there's much less that that listener has <laughs> come at me for. <laughs> Yeah, but Eckler at five, you're you love Eckler. I think I think the I think the um, like floor of him being successful is there. I just say five because I I don't think the touchdowns can repeat this year. Twenty total last year is just you know crazy. It is. So I think you know. 800 rushing, 800 receiving, and like 10 total touchdowns is kind of what we're looking at. Okay. So I think that's about running back five. Okay. Right? I like, uh, I like where you have Mixon. Yeah. The perfect spot for him because he's well-deserved in that offense and in, in just in running backs in general. But the offense isn't focused around him really at all. Right. It's almost it, there might be, I guess I don't know how to put this, but he could get 20 carries and it feels like he really didn't even do anything. Right. That's his thing too. But there was, there's that stretch last year where it, I think we even said it on the pod. It was like, 
he doesn't feel involved. It's not like he's doing it much, but then he still ended up with like 27 points or something, you know, it's just like the quietest, you know, great running back. I think there is the offense is just too good. He's a true three down guy. Like I know they do take him out for like some series for P Ryan and sometimes on third downs, but he's still really good. And yeah, I think the Bengals will still score a lot and still use him. So for sure. This could be the the last year that we see Henry so hot, yeah. even in the top eight. Would yeah. you be there with me? Yeah, I mean, I was, I kind of hesitated putting him there, but like, if he plays fifteen and gets the workload that he has, you know, historically, I know last year is when we saw him break down, but it was like just a foot, so you know, nothing too concerning mm-hmm. yet. Um, and you know, just the offense is built around him and he's so big and fast and no one wants to tackle him. So it's not so I couldn't drop him, uh, you know, as much as I wanted to. And we did see him start to catch some passes a little more last year too. So true. Obviously we don't see Najee in your, in your top eight. He was a top three last year, but you've been on record by yeah. saying he's nowhere near going to repeat that. You I don't have any faith in him this year. You're, you're against Najee understandable with all the points that you've made would you say like i'm not an aaron jones guy eight seems probably his spot i think he has the most likelihood of really just kind of dropping out of here i know in my in you know a lot of people will say well aaron Rodgers is going to be anything anything aaron jones is going to be a huge recipient of all that it's probably where right. he came from yep so but for me personally, I'm like, well, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to do anything. I would almost rather have AJ Dillon in that offense right now. Yeah, I think if you look at like where you have to draft them, I I could see that argument where Dillon's kind of like more of a value and could do just as well or, or even outproduce Aaron Jones. But I do buy into the fact that like. One, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has said that those two are like their best guys, so he's going to want them on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comparison that I've seen a lot of people make that makes a lot of sense to me is that year where Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram were both top 12 running backs on the Saints. Uh, just they were the focal points. You know, Kamara more of the receiving guys, so that'd be Aaron Jones, and then um, A.J. Dillon in the Mark Ingram role probably gets like 13 touchdowns splitting the carries and both being efficient and good with it you know i just that's what i envision and i'm pretty in on aaron jones this year so i mentioned that aj Dillon, where he's going in redraft leagues is a value but i think aaron jones in like the late second is uh you know i really like that spot if you can get him there in the first round you know probably not like that's a little bit of a reach even though i have him as a top eight running back in my estimation but I just think he's primed for a big year and we've seen him do it in the past, you know, top five finishes very recently. So not last year, but the two years prior to that. So this is the, this is a year where running back that you would probably agree. Maybe not is pretty deep. Yeah. It does feel a lot deeper than it has. We're not even talking about Camara. We're not talking about the potential for Deandre Swift. We're not talking about the potential for Javante Williams. We haven't even, thought about talking about Nick Chubb or Elliott who've been in top eight category for the last four years. Right. Uh, new new guys like Etienne, what does he do? Cam Akers had a full season in that Rams offense. David Montgomery was the top guy for a long time last year. I think mm-hmm. he fell off, finished, you know, top players. You got 
You mean, I mean, last year we were talking about Antonio Gibson, and now he's on the punt team. <laughs> so this is a very deep year for running backs, which in redrafting, you can, if you were to probably try to convince yourself that there was a very case where you didn't need to get a first-round running back, this is probably it. You're still probably going to be disappointed with the team, but, like, this is this is a deep field of running backs right now. Barring injury, I think you've got 15 to 17 guys where you feel pretty confident in what they can do this year. Yeah, I think so too. Javante that you mentioned, he was the one name that I was like, I wanted to pull the trigger and put him here, but the, the, the looming specter of Melvin Gordon still scares me, even though I do think it'll be more shifted towards Javante than last year when it was basically 50-50. Yeah, I just, I just wasn't there. I couldn't allow myself to do it. But yeah, like you said, him, Swift, those are the. That's probably the next group of guys, right? That we see because you mentioned like this is probably the last year for Henry, Dalvin, CMC, Mixon, Alvin Kamara. They were all in that same class, and they're kind of approaching that age where they're going to have a decline, you know. So I think this is this is probably like the last kind of big hurrah for that group of guys. And then we start to see, like you said, the the Swifts, the Javantes, J.K. Dobbins back from injury. Like that crew starts to be, you know, the the cream of the crop, the top eight that we talk about. But not not this year, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Is that the good way of putting it? We've still got one more year of the old guard of the the stout guys, and then next year could be the year where we have a whole new crop of top eight running backs. Yeah. And we saw this, you know, in the span of the time we've been playing Dynasty, we've all seen that, right? Like, it was Todd Gurley, it was Le'Veon Bell, it was David Johnson, right? Those were the guys for three, four-year stretch, and then gone, just dust. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's a good point with Dynasty-wise. Like, you go through these, you know, these times where it's just those are the guys that we're, we are approaching to where there's going to, the next, wave is going to be here for the next four years or so and it's that's fun that's one of the best fun things about dynasty you go through that you, those waves of players and you you know you and i i mean i went through my tank last year and i'm hoping to get on a big wave this next year and you were kind of in that moment and people have been trying to find those next group of guys and then you've got people that are holding on to the the elliot's dalvin's you know, CNC Henry and trying to make those pushes. And, you know, the majority of those owners are probably going to be stuck with those players and not get anything from them. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's dynasty. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the other fun part about it. Yeah. Well, Shank, that was eight lists of eight things. All fun. I love them all. <laughs> yeah. Always a good episode. You know the season is is drawing nigh when we're hitting hitting into these really really good episodes. Hope everybody is enjoying those. Get ready for your drafts. Get ready for your team managements. Season is upon us. We're basically two two and a half three. We're like three weeks away from the season, right? What is yeah. that? No, exactly. So yeah, this was our last kind of foray into just fun other stuff besides football because giving everyone a peek into the future. We've got power ranks for the league next week. Mm -hmm. And then it's week one preview. And then we're in it. Then it's all football all the time. 
all football all the time. That is our motto for the next five months. We are fair and honest, all football all the time. That's our motto. Yep. But I'm excited for it. I can't wait, honestly, because once we like get into the vibe of that, get into the flow, really watch how teams rise and fall in our league, uh, start talking like upsets of the week. Uh, it's so fun. So I can't wait, honestly. Gonna be good. We're all very much excited. Well, thank you everyone again for listening. I hope you enjoyed our list. Give us your feedback on what was missing, uh, what should have been switched around. Like if you have the Great Wall of China ranked over Luke Danes, then you know, like let us know. Yeah. Start crossing them over. Do whatever you want. Just give us that feedback. Tell all your friends. And it's just, it's just really fun to get this out to all you guys. That's all, folks. Bye. I was trying to come up with reasons why like I like these numbers. I'm like,